Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Virginia Salas Castillo here with me from the UK. Welcome to my podcast, Virginia. Thank you so much for having me. So amazing to be here. Thank you. So Virginia is a hyperconnector and serial entrepreneur who was named one of Inc. Magazine's top 26 women to change the world. And she's an internationally acclaimed speaker, marketer, activist, and founder of I Trust You and Genie TV. Uh, so Virginia, um, I think we're all busy with whatever we are doing, right? But but deep down, um, I believe that we all wish to grow, to evolve and to be uh, successful in different ways. But what do you think is our most important uh, success, actually? Yeah, I think it's self-mastery. Um, I've really been tuning into this idea of the mastery of self um, because I think that when we sort of zoom out of the current paradigm um, that we've kind of been conditioned into of there being a certain like ladder or box or category or area, you know, where we should find ourselves in, or even just like our identity, you know, like what do we identify with? Like um, I am a builder, I am a doctor, you know, I am, I am what. And I think that um, the first thing that we should identify with is, is just ourselves is of being an individual and being individuated. So yeah, I very much have been tuning in recently and just to this, this mastery of self, how can I be the best version of myself from day to day? How can I treat myself more kindly, love myself more deeply and stand with more integrity? And from that sort of um, focus point, then everything just evolves in the most natural and organic way. So, so tell me a little bit about I Trust uh, You. Uh, I mean, wh what it is and also what is, what is it for? Mm. <laughs> That's a, actually a perfect segue because it's all about the mastery of self, you know? So yeah. it's kind of, we've built this education platform, this like, um, you know, kind of like new age system around like, how do we become self-masterful? And as you kind of take courses and the, you know, the more that you go through in, in our, in our programs, the, the more masterful you become. So instead of like, someone coming to iTrust University and saying, well, I know that I want to start a seven-figure company and it's all about, you know, me and my dog and our adventures that we have and we create events and online courses and everything around us and our friendship or whatever, you know. So you don't always have to come like have a prefixed idea and be like, this is what I want to do and this is who I am and this is what all my beliefs are. But instead of be just having that kind of simple thing in front of you. Oh, I just want to be masterful. I want to be, I want to learn self-mastery. What are some of the disciplines and areas of life? You know, if it's like health technology, like whatever that I can learn and bring into my reality to realize my passions more. And, and I, I also love this whole idea of like the, um, the serial entrepreneur, you know, like, or the serial master, like a master doesn't have to dedicate himself towards one discipline his entire life. Like maybe one day you're going to say, you know, I would like to dedicate my time to becoming a masterful sushi chef. And you just go to Japan and you travel and you, you know, go and spend time at different restaurants and you check that out. And that's just something that you do with your life for a while. And then you might decide to become a children's book author or whatever it is. Um, so we're really trying to reshape, you know, education and knowledge and, and really look at, you know, in school we were told and the, the education system that we were grown up with is that someone had an idea of these preconceived courses and notions and like uh, bits of knowledge that we need to obtain in order to, you know, be a sort of successful human being or be like a valuable human being to society or make money or whatever it is. And I think now we're reshaping that. And I also believe in empowering, you know, children at a younger age to also become self-masterful and to, you know, start, start creating things that excite them, not 
things that other people tell them that they need to be doing with their lives. So it's definitely, you know, around liberation and, and self-mastery. Like reconnecting to, to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What would you say is your, your passion, you know, that, that mm -hmm. thing that you really think is important not only to you but to the world in a way? Mm. Yeah, I think it, it boils down to human connection like of all different kinds, right? So if it's either like, you know, connecting with myself, um, you know, during meditation in the morning or going for a walk with my dog or, you know, whatever that is, or connecting to others and, you know, connecting to business partners and friends and co-creators and, and just being um, on the one hand, like just totally delighted by the joy, uh, you know, that comes with connection and love. And then also like allowing it as an energy to come through into other spaces and to create more. I, I think that a connection is such an expander, you know, like if you think about like a grid or a network, like you have all these like molecules that are just kind of floating around like in nowhere. And if you don't have anything to connect them with, then they're not going to get stabilized. And so I guess I just look at the sort of like whole human tapestry and like the universe as things that are you know coming into connection with one another and so yeah I would definitely say that's like my most like obsessive passion because I love studying human behavior and I'm um, a sociologist by kind of um, educational background like that's what I you know did at university and so I just love studying interaction and human connection and why we do what we do and and how we can improve our communication to connect more deeply and and I I I know that I trust you um, mm. is is this multinational venture capital conglomerate mm. that you've created that is actually about bringing trust and human connections into the, also the center of of, uh, of business. Correct. Um, yes. But I'm just curious about how how did your life look like before you founded uh, I Trust You? Mm. Yeah. So um, before I founded I Trust You, I was working in corporate IT for five years. So I was working at Apple. Um, when I left there, I was, you know, managing a billion dollars for them annually. Um, as in, I was, you know, me and my, my partner who were working on this specific project, we were bringing in, in sales a billion dollars annually. Um, so that's kind of to describe that a little bit more clearly. But Um, mm. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I was doing, like, you know, working on sort of like high volume sales and account management. And then I changed to Oracle, which is another IT company and, you know, was living in the south of Spain and doing a similar role for them there. Um, and then, yeah, you know, after five years of working in offices and working with amazing dynamic teams and getting some of the best training in like sales, marketing and leadership and things like that, I, I started um Yeah, just following like the, I guess the entrepreneurship movement a little bit more closely and, you know, um, came across TED Talks like, you know, Gary Vee, do what you love, no excuses. And, um, and that was like, I would say that was definitely one of my, my biggest wake up calls where I realized mm -hmm. how, you know, I'd been playing this rat race and this like this climbing the corporate ladder game, what my family and the people around me told me that was like, this is how I become the coolest, so to say, right? That I'm like, you know, <laughs> making like five to ten thousand dollars a month and driving a convertible and just like I'm I'm cool now, you know, like I've made it. And so then I follow this entrepreneurship movement that's just like, well, why are you like building someone else's dream? Like why are you being like not even like conscious of your day to day or being able to be full self-expressed, like just to be, you know, to to go to work and just be yourself, like completely how you are. And I was like, wow, like I, you know, I thought I kind of won the game, but like I didn't, you know, there's so much more. And so I quit my uh, job and um, decided to become a happiness researcher because I thought mm -hmm. before I put anything into the world, another product or another thing that's like damaging our environment, I want to know like, what does, you know, what really makes people happy? Like, what does humanity need right now? You know, like, how can I be of value to the, you know, the global economy. And so I just traveled the world for a year and, and researched happiness and interviewed everyone from, you know, homeless people on the street to billionaires as what was happiness to them and like, you know, what their life um, really, what was really giving them purpose. 
And so that's kind of where I came into this human connection piece. And when I was in New York, where, you know, especially in big cities where people are more disconnected than ever, and that's where I had the download for I Trust You. And, you know, that led me being blindfolded in Times Square, New York, and hugging strangers and birthing the I Trust You movement um, there. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen videos of that. That oh. looks fantastic. <laughs> You're standing there, people are hugging you. Of course, this was before yeah. COVID. But <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> what other transformational points have, have influenced you the most in your life when you look back at it? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing that comes to mind is really um, – like understanding, I guess, my childhood and and my background, like the way that I was raised. My mother is Russian. My father is German. I was born in Berlin, but I've been to 15 different schools across three different languages. So English, German, and Spanish. Um, And I've kind of like, you know, I've moved around a lot all over the world. And um, it's given me a very interesting perspective in life because it's allowed me to be deeply immersed into different cultures and um, just to understand like different levels, I guess, of um, privilege, status, you know, economical backgrounds, like human connection and, um, and, you know, educational systems. So being born in, you know, Berlin, Germany, and then later living in Miami, Florida, uh, these are kind of like quite privileged backgrounds and, kind of like economic climates to to come from and then um when i was eight nine years old my family moved to the dominican republic um which is you know more of a third world country and um you know our our house got destroyed by a hurricane uh twice actually and um my my school got destroyed so we had to kind of like move you know move cities and in one of those processes, my mom put me and my sister into a, a Dominican public school, which is just, you know, you pay like a dollar to sign up your kid and it's, it's just, you know, anyone can, can access it basically. And so me and my sister were the only two white girls in the entire school. And we were kind of like the wealthiest, like if I were to take a guess, you know, even though we didn't have like crazy amounts of money, but like we weren't living in like a slum, you know? So yeah. having understood like very, very early on what it was like to not know where food's going to come from the next day, you know, like my friends had very, very poor backgrounds and upbringings and, you know, most of them didn't live in like actual houses, but just like tin roofs that were like put together, you know. So very early I started, you know, volunteering and we would do like kindness missions um, with another school that I was a part of and we would build houses and for families that actually needed it. And so it gave me this really humble perspective where I could see how much we had, even though compared to my other like white friends or whatever, they had a lot more than we did. But in that specific community, we were almost like kings and queens or something like royalty in terms of like um, the abundance. Mm. It's always kind of allowed me to have a different perspective and really understand that we have an opportunity to have a passport. Like with for Dominicans, they couldn't even leave their country. So there's just like different levels of freedom that we get to experience. And so I said to myself very young, like if I have the ability and the capabilities to travel anywhere in the world and I get to design my own future, like what does that going to be in service of? And so mm. I think that was definitely a huge part of my my perspective and my learning. And then, you know, obviously there's other traumatic things that have happened there, you know, like sexual abuse and friends getting shot in the head and, you know, all of that kind of usual traumatic oh stuff that gets caught up in, in life, you know. But it's just having those contrasting experiences, I think that you can then look at it with either, you know, putting yourself into a victim mode or you can look at it with gratitude. And so that's just the lens that I see it through. And I'm just really grateful that I had so many contrasting experiences in my life that have allowed me to shape more understanding and more compassion for for those people that are actually struggling, which I think is what's created such a big drive in giving back and being of service and using my time here wisely. Mm. And, and why were you moving around so much and changing so many schools? Yeah, so... Um, 
it's just there, there's like no like reason that makes sense you know what I mean where it's just like oh well, my dad was a diplomat or like my mom was in the military or whatever it's something mm. like that it's just okay. like a like a random happenstances you know what I mean like mm. my mom like vacationing in Miami and being like oh I really want to go there and then you know her like saving up money to move to Miami and then you know her and my father breaking up and then her going on a tour with me through the Caribbean and through Colombia. Where do you feel at home now? I mean, I know that normally, uh, now in these times you're in the UK, but normally mm -hmm. you are very much in Bali. So mm -hmm. where is home, if anything is home right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really like my favorite, like hotspots in the world, you know, where I really get that homey feeling. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's probably Bali um, here in the UK um, Costa Rica actually also very much feels like home, um, Dominican Republic a little bit as well. And so there's just like different places that yeah. I, you know, really resonate with. And I think, you know, like are the places that eventually I'm going to be building like community houses and, you know, properties and, and spaces that people can have, you know, human connection experiences. So yeah, I'll be creating those, those homes. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that the next step or is this part of, I trust you? Yeah, so that's definitely like in the roadmap. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things like missing in cities and in communities are just like community centers, you know, like just like playgrounds where people can go and, you know, read books and hang out and like connect with other people. And like, you know, you always have to pay money to be somewhere, you know, like you have to pay money to be at a cafe or a restaurant or You know, people know this when you become a nomad and start working from your laptop. You're just like, I just want to sit down somewhere and write this email. Like, I don't want to have to, you know, mm. hurt, hurt my immune system with drinking a Starbucks or some other you know, crazy thing that they want to sell me now, you know. So mm. I just really um, love in creating because I love online communities, obviously amazing in COVID, like, you know, more important right now than ever. But I also think that the offline, like human in-person experience is incredibly yeah. crucial for for growth and expansion. So I'm excited to have like our own sort of like membership houses around the world where people can come into these like Garden of Eden type environments and just be there and play and, you know, connect and have fun and, um, and learn together. And so, yeah, so I'm really excited to, to actually create, as I like to call them, sacred spaces. Yeah. And how, how can that be financed, such a, such a structure? Yeah, I mean, through, um, we're basically, you know, building a Humans I Trust fund at the moment. Um, and I, I, I really believe that, um, you know, financially through creating new systems where sort of like everyone is involved and kind of like a co-investor and a co-founder and a co-creator. Um, I think through like our, you know, membership, um, you know, system and membership fees and things like that. I mean, like with Soho House, like I was just staying at Soho Farmhouse for three weeks, which was amazing. And mm. that membership is 150 bucks a month. I mean, which I know that they're, you know, financially not doing well. So I think like, you know, it needs to be a little bit more creative than, than that. But they, they have around like 70,000 members globally. Um, mm. But I know that they're not profiting. Um, but I mean, it could also be on the business model. I'm not sure. I know that they, they do have, um, they do spend quite a lot on, you know, everything. So, um, yeah, I think through the membership models and having investors and partners and people that are aligned to the vision and want to see the world having more holistic spaces, especially for leaders to come and co-create and connect. Mm. And, and, uh, as we're talking about uh, leaders and, and business and so on, what do you, what do you think is the long-term kind of solution for business? Um, What, what is there like a long-term formula, a uh, common denominator for all businesses that you believe in? Mm. Oh, I really love that question. Absolutely. I think the common denominator um, should always be service. You know, like how are we serving the world? How are we serving our customers? How are we serving each other? You know, and I think that if we create this sort of like um, trickle-up economy, where everyone is getting hydrated and everyone is being taken care of and everyone's needs are being met. If all companies and, you know, economies and businesses would kind of create that common denominator of service, I think we would like be accelerated in the most amazing ways. And, and, you know, people that needed it would have a lot more money um, to be able to, you know, take care of themselves. Cause it's crazy how, 
much people right now are in scarcity. And I think it's because we have this trickle down economy where at the very bottom, people are hardly getting any of the the liquid, so to say, like the, like if, if they were the roots at the bottom of the roots, they'd be quite dry. Um, mm. And so I'm really feeling that, um, especially now I'd say during COVID, a lot of people are, you know, struggling and feeling it when they're so dependent on, on an economy that doesn't actually fully support their well-being. Mm. And and if you would assume that you have all kinds of doors open to you and all resources available to mm. you, what what would you innovate and and rush to change? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I do assume that I have all doors and resources open to me because we all do, um, mm. and I think that everything is is you know possible and, and applicable and and actually easy um, to, to create. And so I, you know, I'd be working on what I'm working on right now, which is bringing community together and creating heart centered communities. And like with, I trust you really what we're doing is just allowing humans to be humans and to just be themselves and, and to be fully expressed, you know, like it doesn't have to, like, there's so many things that we're suppressing and not saying and in, in our, in our relationships and to ourselves and, things that we're hiding, if it's body shame or, you know, whatever that is. And so, you know, that's why we're kind of like focused now on our, on our online university, which is that I think is a huge key to everything is education, right? But like self-empowered education, where we're not educating people on towards something that we think that they should build their future towards because, you know, some kind of statistics or some physician said that that's where our future economy is going to, whereas some of my friends are the top futurists in the world that are sitting like at the board of the World Economic Forum, you know, and they tell me, well, we can't really predict the future, you know. So like if they, they already can't, you know, can't do that, then I think that let's not really force other people into going a certain direction because we think that there's going to be so many jobs. I mean, if you look at like blockchain or AI, everyone's like, oh, we need more blockchain developers. We need more AI developers. Now suddenly you have just universities full of kids that are, you know, listening to this news, receiving it like five years late. And then suddenly they come to the market and then we'll have way too many blockchain developers or whatever. People should just do what makes them feel alive and excited, not because they think it's going to be well monetized in the next five years or whatever. It's like, well, what excites you now? Mm. And and when you say, but but we all have all doors or all resources available mm -hmm. to us. Mm. Um, and, and in a way, I understand what you mean that yeah. that's, Uh, you know is available to all of us we just yeah. need to believe, believe it to attract it somehow yeah but then, but then again there are a lot of people that are going to say okay what is this is this law of attraction or what do you mean you know yeah. like yeah. how can you say such a thing so yeah. how, what do you how, what do you say then if you don't believe it then you know it's definitely not going to come to you because you're not looking out for it only if you think something is possible Only if it exists in your field of reality can you attract it. And yes, absolutely, I'm talking about law of attraction. And mm -hmm. you know, if you if you think about people that have a lot of money, right? I mm -hmm. know a lot of people that have a lot of money, and that are these typical kind of like you know, I'm talking about the guys with the Lambos, the guys that are like putting you know the money on their Instagram accounts, like oh look at all these dollar bills, right? What are they thinking about? They are thinking about the money. They are complete in alignment with their focus. They know that that's what they want. They're unapologetic about it. You know, it's just like they're, they're thinking about it. Now there's different ways to attract finances or abundance and, you know, things like that. Absolutely. But if you're there thinking, well, you know, I'm never going to be abundant, uh, you know, resources aren't readily available to me. It's going to be more difficult for you to see those because that's the reality that you're living in. So if you think no one's ever going to donate you a million dollars, it's very unlikely that you will get a million dollars donated. But if it's something that you're focusing on, you're going to notice more when you meet a philanthropist who comes up to you and says, you know, I'm really looking for a project right now around human connection, or I'm really looking for, you know, to be investing or supporting in education, then suddenly you're more attuned to when they say that, because that's something that you've already been attracting and asking for and manifesting. See, this is the difference between the mind and the heart, because when you are In the, in the logic mind of science and rest physical restrictions, and it's telling you the information that you know right now, which we all know if anyone has had just one glance across history, our information at any point in time is always quite limited. 
you know? So like, let's just assume that we know nothing, you know, when we were like burning witches at the stake and, you know, doing all that crazy shit, you know, and like all the other things that we did, like before people, um, before people found out about soap and washing your hands, do you know that, um, people used to wear a, a flower in their pocket? That's where this whole pocket flower handkerchief thing comes from because, the flower was used to kind of ward off diseases, you know, so that they won't get sick because they didn't understand about washing their hands, you know? So we've done all sorts of crazy things and, you know, believed all sorts of stuff. So I just think always expand your capabilities and your possibilities. If someone else is able to send rockets into the moon, if someone's able to fly a plane, like, you know, we've seen these things, like I'm not talking about unicorn horses and ponies i'm just talking about a billion dollars like this exists you know like it's it's nothing it's nothing crazy um but i think where people limit themselves is by thinking well i can't do that because you know i grew up in rwanda or you know i i didn't go to high school or i don't have all these things and there's all these reasons of why they can't do something and if you take off that limitation and instead focus on the opposite and everything that you are capable of doing as a human being and you know, nothing makes me or anyone else different. We've all been born from the same space. Mm. We're all capable of the same things. And, you know, I'm, I'm a perfect example because I don't have the financial background. You know, I, I moved out of home when I was 16 years old with absolutely no money. I, you know, earned everything by myself. I'm never going to inherit anything. Like I'm, you know, I don't have anything like set up for me. You know, people think I'm a trust fund baby, which is really funny. Um, when <laughs> you get on my story, you know, people are just like, Oh, you're just a trust fund baby. I'm like, wow. Like I've actually never had any of those kind of possibilities. Like I'm, and I'm glad that people do, you know, I'm very, I'm like, it's amazing that people do. And, and here's something else that's interesting. You don't need to be wealthy in order to live an incredibly luxurious lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. But then you have the definition about what is luxury and what do we strive for as, as you know, symbol of, I don't know, success or, or lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think especially this COVID time, this quarantine is, is underlining this fact a lot more because what is luxury now? luxury is trees and space and gardens and expansiveness and like being out being able to be out in nature right where some Mm. of these people right now in london i can imagine who have the most expensive penthouse apartment but are in lockdown and can't go out into the grass or the trees you know like they must be feeling very constricted and so i think like to me luxury is like everything that should be a human right you know is eating healthy nourishing food that actually helps your body and that energizes you and gives you everything that you need, you know, to survive and sustain yourself. And it's, you know, time, I think like time is an incredible luxury right now that is getting, you know, less and less, especially as you know, we're being, you know, our time is being taken from these like devices and these, you know, platforms and everything that's just kind of wasting our time almost like, And, um, so yeah, I think it's really about having freedom and luxury, you know, as in nature and food and just having all of your needs met. It's just your basic needs met. And if you have that, it's just, I mean, you feel incredible. You, you feel like you can do anything, but that's, you know, if you're kind of mastered your mind, because if we're in, in a toxic, um, you know, cycle of thoughts where we're just thinking about scarcity and how we don't have anything and how poor we are and all this kind of stuff, then, you know, doesn't matter how you know well resourced you are then you're definitely going to be in a toxic prison since you are an influencer using social media since mm-hmm. many many years and have experimented a lot with that is there any kind of how can i say advice you want to give to to people you know whatever age group that is listening right now even if mm-hmm. there are a lot of people from the business community in terms of social media yeah i mean i because, you know, I'm a human connection facilitator. And I think that, you know, technology is obviously one of the most amazing ways that we're able to connect now. And I think that it is such a blessing in a time that we can't physically see each other. Like I can just imagine the amount of FaceTime calls that have been done from families to each other from, you know, mothers to daughters, and, you know, especially lovers, I know that there's people that are like quarantined in opposite sides of the world right now and can't come to each other, you know, Um, so it is such a beautiful thing and I, I love creating content online and I, I I think that there's a lot of value in creating an online, you know, personal brand and, and sharing more about yourself because, you know, especially also as someone, 
um, you know, who's in the space of trust is creating more trust with your clients, your customers, especially if you're, you know, a huge multinational business of hundred thousand employees, or if you're just, you know, you're a coach or you have a team of five or whatever it may be sharing about your story and yourself and why you do what you do is so valuable. And I guess the advice that I would give to people is just to like, please start creating, like, don't try to plan it and schedule it and edit it and, you know, think about all the 10 ways that it could be better, but just create and keep on creating. And I know that people, there's a lot of shame sometimes around like, oh, is this the best thing that I could say? And, you know, what if my, you know, future employer or someone reads this in the next five years and all this other kind of stuff, there's so much shame about like writing the wrong thing or like, who was I back then? And it's just like, don't worry about that. Just be yourself who you are in the in the moment and share what it is that's really coming to your mind. And, you know, anyone who judges you for something that you said five or 10 years ago, that's their perspective. But it's not, we, we shouldn't always be in this fear of the future and what's going to happen and, and can it be better? And just to really authentically share. And I think that's what it's there for is just to share thoughts. Um, I always call what I do creation and inspiration. So when you get inspired, you know, create something and, you know, just be grateful for the inspiration in the moment. If you would, could give an advice to, to leaders, however you choose to define them, uh, yeah. what, what would it be? I think it would be around seeing yourself as a more a part of the community as kind of like the head figure or the central figure or whatever. I think that there's sometimes a disconnection happens when it comes to like authority and, um, and, and trying to keep this, um, this image or this persona um, of being a leader, right? Like what is a leader, you know, like, very well you already said and and I think you know a leader is just really someone who knows what to do next you know it's like they're not the they're not like the biggest highest most rated speaker or whatever it's there's not like some big uh, like award that you need to be that you're finally a leader it's just you just know what to do next in the moment and I I see leadership as very dynamic right And when you empower more people to become a leader and to take charge when they know what to do next, um, then, you know, then everything becomes a lot more, um, the pressure points become a lot more equalized because when the, the focus isn't only on the leader and the leader always having to know everything and be so perfect and make sure that they don't make a mistake. But when the leadership is kind of, you know, um, um, spread out to more members and more people and and it could be more dynamic um then that eases eases the whole situation we actually get to better end results so you know don't feel so much pressure to um always know what to do and allow yourself to be a humble and a heart-centered leader leader where you can just you know really say what's coming to you in the moment and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing um you know sometimes you not being able to step into your leadership and therefore empower other people to step into their leadership. I, I totally agree. I think actually it's powerful. Sometimes it has happened that I've mm. uh, seen leaders close to me saying uh, that, you know, actually, I, I don't know. Let's find yeah. out together. And I yeah. think that's so liberating and it, that's really powerful. Yeah. They're so comfortable with themselves in the whole yeah. situation that they can also say that. And exactly yeah. as you say, people then step in and, and you know, help each other. Yeah. So, um, Uh, but how, what kind of leadership did you experience when you were at Apple? Hmm. Yeah. That was a long well, time ago now, but yeah, there was, there's different kinds. I would say most of it was very charismatic and loving leadership. Um, we had one person that, um, was hired as my manager for the first six months that I was there that tried to make my life into a living hell that kind of saw me as competition and, you know, tried to squash me down. And that was very toxic and very exhausting. Like I would come, mm -hmm. you know, home after work sometimes and just be crying, you know, because of like the bullying, you know, I was getting from my, from my manager who was actually a female as well, which is really unfortunate. Um, and, you know, at the end they, they fired her because they saw this, you know, that this was happening, you know, not only to me, but to other people as well. And so thankfully they had, you know, at least, six months, but obviously it takes a while and 
to try to give people time to improve. But yeah, I mean, there was definitely some, you know, toxic leadership, which I'm, I'm sure happens in, in other companies a lot more. I mean, compared to Oracle, it was a whole different landscape. I mean, Apple definitely very, they, they hire well, and they look for a specific type of person that are just like, charismatic and fun loving. And, you know, they kind of make everything a little bit more casual with their, you know, you don't have to wear suits to work or anything like that. Like everyone's just in a t-shirt and hanging out, you know, so it's definitely, I would say mm-hmm. a better. Mm-hmm. And, and the people, you know, who are um, still today and in the Silicon Valley area, mm-hmm. what is their experience? Where, where is Silicon Valley now in terms of heart and mood and mind? Mm, yeah. I mean, from, From what I can see uh, from our network is that there's this expansion happening, you know, like I know of shamans that are going into, you know, some of the Fortune 10 companies and uh, creating experiences and, you know, medicine ceremonies. And it's definitely stepping more, I think, into the heart centered space. Um, I don't know how much of that is like trickling down into the actual like employees or if it's just kind of like at a C-level leadership. And I think that definitely has to happen more, that there should be more kind of ceremony spaces and human connection and, you know, just just like days where people get to deeply connect. Um, like one of, you know, the things that I love doing with leaders and that really excites me is just creating these spaces for just deeper communication and connection. And that then is going to very deeply um, affect the work and the work relationships. Because it's interesting how some of the most toxic things at work are the relationships. It's not the work that you're doing. It's the people that are kind of, um, you know, abusing other people because of their own self-abuse that they feel for themselves, you know? Mm. And so, but I definitely, I mean, even at the World Economic Forum in Davos this year, we could see Um, you know, from other people that have been going for like 10, 15 years, they said that this year was like the most spiritual year it's ever been with like breath work and, and all these other kind of things. Like, unfortunately there was nothing like what we do. That's why I wanted a, a space for humans. I trust there actually, um, next year at the forum. So we can really do a lot more human connection and dropping in. And, um, but I did some blindfolded hugs and, you know, there definitely was more, um, yeah, more, more softness, spirituality, slowing down, I would say. Mm. <laughs> so Regina, if you were to give advice to yourself, let's say 10, 10 or so years ago, mm-hmm. what would that be? Let's see, I was 21 at the time. I'd just gotten married, which was a great oh. Yeah. Um, wow, that was a brave thing to do at 21. <laughs> He was 19, actually, so he was even younger than me. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a beautiful marriage. Like, it's definitely um, one of the most successful marriages I've, I've seen. We had a, you know, beautiful wedding, beautiful divorce as well. Um, let me see. What advice would I have given myself then? I mean, I was doing very well um, at the time. Um, I, I think I would definitely tell myself to... Um, yeah, just like not limit my dreams and wishes, because I think I was still at a place where I was kind of, I was just finishing university. This is like before I, I started working at Apple. And um, I, you know, I, I thought I had to, I mean, I, I always kind of had like a different mindset, because I want to be like a director and a writer and, you know, work on sort of different things that everyone told me that I should never do and that I'm not going to make any money with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think just I would have empowered myself a lot more of like realizing that I don't have to listen to the traditional pathways of like what I'm being told are my possibilities, um, but instead actually, um, you know, listen to those crazy stories, you know, of like the guy who, you know, started an app and then made five million dollars here or whatever. Like I would have allowed myself to just dream bigger and just do the things that I'm doing right now a lot earlier Um, one of my best friends, she's 13 years old and, um, she started her company when she was nine and she's just like one of my favorite people. And I just, you know, sometimes I just like look at her timeline and I'm like, man, I wish I would have started my first, you know, successful business when I was nine. So I think it's always like empowering myself at an earlier age. Hmm. (laughs) And, and, uh, for companies, what do you think is the most important thing for them to focus on right now? Hmm. I think um, 
improving their online customer experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> thinking from a very practical sense, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like of like, how can we actually, because, you know, we're, we're, st- we're stepping away from, from, you know, the, the whole like physical retail spaces as they're historically known, you know, like I just don't really see that those like models working um, much longer and it's been stepping away from that um, more and more. And I think that, you know, why would we, you know, have all these stores and all these things when we could be having, you know, an online shopping experience and, and freeing up some of that room in the cities for actual like, you know, connection and, you know, not everything surrounding with, you know, consumption and shopping. So I think that's like a very natural step that's happening is, is, is freeing up, you know, more spaces. Um, And as we step into the online experience, I think that we really need good dedicated teams that are there, you know, to pick up the phone, to talk to people, to get on, you know, um, FaceTime camera or whatever, give actual like one-on-one consulting and way better um, customer service than what they're doing right now. And, and with that um, uh, connecting more, um, you know, on a one-on-one basis with their communities as well. I think that, you know, every business should be building their own community. Um, Even if it's just for those like, you know, 500 people that just like really give a shit about their brand and about what they're doing and like, they would just like love more touch points with them. And if they have that, then those, that community can become like their super ambassadors and they can be, you know, even like future employees or whatever that is, you know, like, I just think that so many companies are not talking to their, you know, um, their customers, like they're, you know, they, they're talking to them when they make the sale or when they fill out some complaint form or something like that. But there's no actual like, true dialogue and like energy exchange going on i think a company that does it really well is red bull because they have you know all these events and they have all this stuff you know it's unfortunate that it's you know with the toxic you know substance that they're giving out to people you know so but it's unfortunate how some of these you know very large organizations you know like coca-cola and 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 all these have been doing that human connection piece you know pretty well so it's about, I think, um, every company, you know, becoming sexy and friendly and loving and, and actually being, being more human and coming together with your team and, and employees and thinking about like, well, what kind of values do we actually represent? And like, who are we trying to be um, in the world so that we can, um, you know, truly embody that? Is there any other brand or company that you admire for, for having that kind of human connection? Or for anything else? Hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because people are always asking us, like, you know, who do you compare to, and um, you know, what what are other companies out there that are really doing it well? And I and I really wish that there was like more examples, you know, like there's like I really wish there was like a bigger kind of portfolio that I can like start naming. Um, there's a shoe brand that's called Allbirds. Um, that are really, really personal and beautiful. I mean, you know, their product, their products are great, great quality. They have like the, um, you know, the whole eco part built into it. Um, and they're very personable. Um, like that's just like a small example, um, of like a consumer based brand. Oh yeah. And then there's like things like Oatly, for example, um, who, if you look at their, um, you know, their packaging, they're actually, like addressing, you know, the, the client kind of personally, you know, like they, they're building in like a, you know, a lot of these things. So I would say Oatly, Allbirds, and then Mind Valley. I would say in the education space, which is, you know, a company I've been working with, you know, and going to their events for the past five years. And um, I think they also do the community building aspect, you know, really good apart from humans. I trust that's one of my favorite communities to, to be a part of. And just by being a part of that community, I've, you know, gained so much value. My final question to you is this one. What what do you think the world needs most at this time? It's interesting because the first thing that comes to mind is like slowing down. And that's kind of like what COVID has um, allowed for us to to do globally is like a process of slowing down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm actually, you know, seeing what is the effect of, of the slowing down. Um, but I think that there's like a next step. It's like slowing down and, and being grateful. I think that there's this element of gratitude that 
is just the key to unlocking so much joy and so much happiness um, is like really, you know, understanding and seeing, you know, what we have and, and what our capabilities are. Um, and, you know, stepping into a space of expansiveness through that, through that gratitude. Um, so, you know, I really think it's about a mental shift. It's not about like, Hey, like, you know, let's give out all this free food or let's clean out the water supplies. You know, there's so many of these like doing things that we can do. Um, but they're not going to be sustainable or even stay. Cause you know, I've, I've taken teams of people before to clean out waterfalls and, um, you know, clean out all this trash. And I know how long it takes for the trash to just come back. Right. So it's like, you know, when, when looking at tackling problems like, um, you know, garbage and landfill and all these things and people just throwing trash into rivers, it's not about, um, cleaning up the trash out of the rivers. It's getting people to stop throwing the trash into the rivers. And so how do we change people's minds around, um, you know, poisoning our earth and, most of all about poisoning themselves because it's really about the, the damage that we're doing to ourselves. Um, you know, cause the earth is going to be just fine. It, it doesn't really care. It's just like us that care. Um, mm. and so I think it's just really about kind of calming down and, and taking a moment and, and stepping into gratitude. And then from there making a decision of, uh, you know, how can I be of service to myself? primarily right like how do I embark on this journey of the mastery of self um and I think that if we all did that if we all kind of took responsibility for our own emotions our own destiny um for you know making our own decisions and, and going where we want to go um and from that space of empowerment you know come together with other people um I see a lot of expansion happening there so it's a, it's a simple thing, you know, but if, if we can execute it and if we can work on it and um, this is something that we can dedicate our time to is just, is just creating a peace in, inside of our own minds and, and an aspect of freedom, um, then I think that the world is, is going to start, you know, changing in a drastic way. And I think it already is. Like, I, I feel that that momentum has started and that there is a lot of, you know, opening that's happening. In this very moment what about the generation uh, z um i find that a lot of people uh, in the business community are kind of frustrated in terms of they can't understand really that generation um who are they what do they want what's shaping their identity what do they need uh how to kind of meet them profoundly what do you say do you have any suggestions or advice mm you know, it's really funny because my boyfriend is Gen Z, you know, so like I feel their pain, you know, <laughs> everything you've said is true. Um, so it's interesting, you know, and because I, I, you know, I see him and I, you know, I see the people that he kind of, uh, you know, went to school with and it's, it's interesting, you know, we are, we're 10 years apart in age and, um, and I've been kind of like watching him deal with this sort of like identity crisis. It's like they're, they're they're grown up so quickly and you know they have all this technology like they've grown up with so many different devices and you know having phones and internet access and everything very early and so they have access to all this information and they're and it's interesting because they've grown up in a world of way more equality like when mm -hmm. i talk about genders and like male and female he's like what are you talking about and like you know at our school it wasn't cool when you made fun of other kids you know that made you stupid And so I was like, oh, wow, you know, it's really different. Like there's a lot, a lot more that they, that they're learning and, and coming together with. And I think this like identity crisis comes from like suddenly being born in a world where you can, you know, you have all these options and you have everything that you can be. And you're suddenly asked to, you know, be an influencer and have an Instagram account and like be someone, you know? Um, and so it's like, you know, everyone who has a social profile, it's basically like they have their own website, you know, like that, where they're expressing themselves and like who they are. And, um, so I think that this, you know, journey of like self-discovery and like self-mastery and through the education system, like not actually supporting, um, you know, all of these things that they're being shown online and in the real world and this like new education portal that we have called, you know, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. 
um, and it's not really aligning with the stuff that they actually learned. So they're like, well, what am I going to do with this? All this like useless knowledge of like, you know, 19th century literature. And so, yeah. So I think that's why mm-hmm. they're kind of like in this, um, you know, period of, of like stalling and, and not being sure, you know, what to do. And I think that the way that um, we can, you know, support that is through just giving, you know, better education systems that are are here for empowering the individuals and um allowing them to sort of create what they want and i think that right now we're probably in the space of a new economy where people don't really want to be um you know just an employee anymore you know they want to be a founding member or they want to be um you know someone that gets to actually lead something you know in a company And so, you know, that's why, especially during COVID, we're seeing all these new businesses being um, started and people suddenly following their dreams. And um, I I mean, I I struggle to, you know, not even to like find people that I want to hire, but I, but I struggle like hiring them sometimes because I'm just like, okay, so you're just going to be dedicated to our vision and our mission, our dream. And thankfully, you know, it's such a big one that a lot of people have been dreaming around the same thing. But sometimes I'm like, well, I'm kind of stopping that person from, you know, following their, their self-actualization or whatever they want to do. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing this trend stepping away from um, the kind of like mass organizations to more sort of like smaller, more empowered institutions. Hmm. So maybe in the near future, it's going to be more tough, I guess, for, for big companies to hire the, yeah. the talents that are, let's say less mainstream and, um, yeah exactly exactly and i think that what they're going to have to do is to restructure and reshape their offering and their uh and their working environment you know to make it like to attract people to to really want to be there because they feel like empowered and excited and important so thank you virginia thanks so so much for for sharing and um for people to find out more about you and what you're doing where should they head uh, to my website, virginiasalascastillo.com. And there's basically everything, social media and, and other projects and everything. Mm. Great. Okay. And uh, they'll find the links and show notes on uh, corporateunplugged.com as well. Um, so, um, and before we end, I just wanted to ask you, um, how did it feel to be on, on the podcast? Hmm. I have to say this is one of the best podcast conversations I've ever had. I'm really, really excited about everything that we just discussed. And uh, I think you are, you know, you, you just know so much about the space and you're, you're kind of at the intersection of, you know, a lot of different industries and leaders and and just have a very unique and um, wonderful perspective and approach around all these things. And I've just had so much fun. So thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Virginia. Thank you so much. Um, so remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with people you know would benefit from hearing Virginia please rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it thank you so so much for listening and until next time uh, live with purpose and remember to unplug ciao ciao Virginia ciao